the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Allied Media Group. The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Andrea K. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred seven pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Good evening and welcome to the Andrea K Show. It is Monday night here in San Diego. It's been a rainy day in San Diego. Um, drizzly and wet. You know what? I moved away from New Orleans to get away from dreary, rainy, crappy weather. We really need uh, it. Yeah, I know we needed it, but you know, it's actually kind of been a sign of the day because here I am in the studio night, usually getting to share this uh, next two hours with all my great uh, friends and family across the, the world via the internet stream, which seems to be down. And, you know, unfortunately with technology, sometimes you have technical issues and that's just the case tonight. So I want to give a shout out to all of you out there everywhere around the world, even all the way to Jerusalem, where my friend David Weissman is is trying to tune in right now. Uh, You will hear me tomorrow on the podcast, giving you all my love. And thank you so much for trying to tune in tonight. Um, It's going to be a great show tonight. Wish you guys could share it with me over the internet tonight, because we've got lots to cover tonight. We're going to talk about um, the Oregon shooting and what happened there. We're going to talk about Syria and what's going on across the world in the Middle East with none other than Major General Bob scales. We're going to talk about the GOP race, of course. Lots of interesting stuff happening there. We're going to talk about some economics because we cannot forget about that. Most people, it's like they said back in 92, I think it was Eelhead, I can't remember his name, James Carville, who said back in 92, you know, it's the economy, stupid, and that's why Bush lost back then. So we got to keep focused on the economy. Big news going on with that. And I've got Steve Sexton, actually, from KCBQ, who's going to be calling in later. He's a financial expert. So I called upon him to help us out with that. In the second hour tonight, we're going to get a little bit more local. We've got uh, part two of my interview with Tom Del Beccaro, who's running to replace Barbara Boxer here in California. And even though he's running here in California, you know we're all affected by every U.S. congressman or congresswoman, congressperson, whether they're with the House or in the Senate, because they vote on national issues. So he, as somebody said last week after they heard part one of my interview with Tom, they said, you know, he's the kind of candidate and Republican I can really get behind because he's dynamic, he's charismatic, he can articulate conservatism in a way that's persuasive and engaging. And so I hope everybody gets to hear part two of my interview with Tom tonight. I'm also going to get even more local because we've got the Bellatrix business block coming up in the second hour. I called upon those of you who are just tuning in for the first time. You may not know who Alicia Dern is. She's my legal libertarian and business analyst here for the Andrea K. Show. And we've we've kind of partnered together to bring a little a focus to San Diego businesses. And we call it the Bellatrix Business Block because she owns Bellatrix business law firm. And so she helps me out by finding great San Diego businesses that we can highlight here on the show, as well as nonprofits, which are basically like any other business. They just they're 
how they handle the revenue and the income is a little bit different. So we've got a great Bellatrix business block later on in the show. So it's a great show for you tonight. And I'm just bummed I can't share it with everybody out there over the Internet. But you'll hear me tomorrow. And what you're going to hear me talk about is we just this past week in news, it's just so much more of the same. President Obama came out after the Oregon shooting and he said this has just become too commonplace. You know what's become too commonplace, President Obama, is a tax in general. And I'm not just talking about a tax in terms of mass gun shootings even more than that you know what's really more commonplace is another round of attacks like we've had this past week in the form of attacks on christians more attacks on the second amendment we've had more attacks on our intelligence with some of the crap coming out of your mouth as well as the mouth of many of the people on the left if not most of the left we've had attacks on all of our interest here and abroad our interest over in the middle east our interest economically we've had attacks on our interest here And abroad, in terms of all of our border situation, our economic borders, our virtual borders in in terms of immigration, and our physical borders here. We've had more attacks on our sovereignty continuing in military aspects. I had, and I'm going to talk a little bit about this. I'm kind of got to tease it out. I had somebody post on my wall something. Talk about an attack on sovereignty. Did you know that we actually now are going to have policing done by the United Nations here in America? I didn't even know that. Talk about an attack on our sovereignty. We've had attacks on our minds, our our psyches in a way this week that was really interesting to me. Because when I see, I grew up in the Cold War era like most of my listeners. And when I see the president of Russia stand before the United Nations... And appear more like an American president and sound more like an American president than our own American president. It's shocking to me. It's an attack on my psyche. I'm thinking, what the heck? What have we done? When I'm now reading articles about the Oregon shooting and getting more truth and more facts about what happened from Russia media, Russian media, than I'm getting here from the United States, things have flipped on their head in my lifetime. Many of you may not remember Pravda. That was the state-run media. And that's exactly what we've got going on now in the United States. President Obama said in 2008, he said he was running to transform America. And so many on the left, including the white Americans who voted for him out of white guilt, didn't guilt, didn't bother to ask what he meant by transformation. He tipped his hand a million times, like when he was talking to Joe the Plumber. It was pretty dang clear at that point in terms of what he meant by transformation in terms of income redistribution. But you didn't really have to even ask what he meant by transformation if you paid attention to some of his associations. If you paid attention to who his dad was and how he was raised by Marxists and communists. If you paid attention to his words in a book in which he said, I will stand with the Muslims should the political wind shift in an ugly direction. And they have. We find out today. An article was posted. I found out today. Syrian Christians, 12 Syrian Christians cried Jesus before they were beheaded in an ISIS mass beheading. You know, when I read that, you know what I thought? What's the difference between what happened with that and what happened in Oregon? That's exactly what happened in Oregon. But if you you listen to our media today, today's Monday. This happened, what, Thursday, Todd? Right? It happened Thursday? Yeah. Where are we hearing about the fact, like I'm reading about... And like so many have have so many who are interested, you're not going to hear this in the mainstream media, but we find out from articles. I don't know if you heard this, Todd, you know, that the did you know, Todd, that the Oregon mass shooter was on a terror list 
that Interpol and Russian intelligence agencies tried to give to the the U.S. administration, including Obama and the CIA and the FBI, and and it was rejected by the administration. Did you know that? No. Yeah. This man was on on top of the game in in our country. What's that? They're on top of our stuff for us in our country. We're not even like using their help. Exactly. Not only they're on top of it, but we don't even want to take the information. The reason why they don't want to take the information is because there's a war on Americans. We have. I've said it before. I don't know whether or not President Obama is an actual Muslim. I don't think he is because I don't think he I don't think he worships anybody but, but himself. I think he's I think he's sympathetic to them. I think there's a reason why he said in his book, I will stand with the Muslims should the wind shift in an ugly direction, because that's where his sympathies lie. But what he's really about is Marxism. And, and it, there, as I've said a million times, they're completely compatible here. And what, did the, what has happened since this article came out? Immediately, he rushed to the podium and immediately started attacking the Second Amendment before any investigations were done. In the meantime, what was happening was this guy's Facebook page and his MySpace page were immediately scrubbed. In fact, not only did they scrub it, Todd, to talk about his Islamic terrorist ties, as well as the fact that he'd been on a terror watch list, they specifically changed his profiles and listed him as a white, even though his mother is black, they listed him as a white conservative Republican. Talk about, I mean, this is, this is a massive cover-up in terms of media. This is, this is, this is Pravda. This is incredible propagandizing of a situation here. And this is like Baghdad Bob. This is the kind of stuff that you see happening in third world countries and in, in, in dictatorships. It is a mind game, an attack on everything that we stand for in this country. It is an, an, an attack on our intelligence. It's an attack on our lives. It's an attack on Christians. And it's all meant to, to transform us into a Marxist country. And one of the reasons why he has been doing everything he could to not just prop up Islam, but doing everything he could to try to find more and more and more opportunities that he can, in order to get communism over on us, what is the main way they're going to be able to do it is by getting our guns. So immediately he comes out and starts talking about gun control. But what he's actually talking about is not just gun control, not just the stupid, oh, we need sensible laws and common sense legislation. Actually, what he's calling for is gun confiscation. We're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to pick it up on the other side. We're going to talk about the specifics of the actual gun confiscation and what I think the way that they're going to make that happen on us. And I think this is absolutely very real. This isn't conspiracy theory. We're going to talk about that on the other side. Then we're going to talk about Syria and Putin. And we're going to hear from Major General Bob Scales. You're listening to The Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Yes, it's time to say, baby, baby, how you make me feel when you come to my... Be sure to follow Andrea K. on Twitter at Andrea K. Show. And follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. Spelled K-A-Y-E. Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990.
At a time when many funeral homes are owned and operated by impersonal corporations, Cortez Cremations and Funeral Services is family-owned and operated who can strongly serve your family as an independent company that provides low-cost, direct, and witness cremations, basic to traditional funeral services, and celebrations of life. Visit CrazyPriceMod.com. That's CrazyPriceMod.com for exclusive offers to serve your needs. Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. I wish I could say glad to have you all here with me, all my favorite peeps on the East Coast, but I'm, I'm seeing on Facebook you're not able to listen tonight because the stream's not working. Maybe it'll come back up. If not, hopefully uh, Todd's going to have the SoundCloud up. He's going to have the podcast up. Hopefully you all will catch it at that point. Before the break, I was talking about my outrage over the fact that what we had going on in Oregon was we had an Islamic terrorist attack here. We had nine people who were asked specifically if they were Christian by an Islamic terrorist who was on a terror watch list. The watch list was denied by the American government. And, and they now have the blood of nine Christian Americans on their hands because they refused to, this information from Interpol and from other organizations around the world. And what ended up happening? Nine people were shot because they were Christian. When nine people were shot in a church in uh, South Carolina, I think it was, what happened? We got lectured on race. We, I mean, there were riots. We had the Confederate flag. We had TV shows that aren't allowed to be shown on TV anymore. Oh my gosh. It was mass hysteria in this country. Nine people asked if they were Christian, immediately shot in the head, and we're not hearing a peep about it. Where's the Department of Justice? Where's Where's Lynch? This is an absolute hate crime. We're not hearing a peep about it. Not once. That man said that he's a Christian. I don't believe you for a second that you're a Christian, Obama, because you, if you were a Christian, there's no way you could have taken to the microphone and not mention the fact that these people were shot in the head because they were Christian. You don't care that they were Christian, but if they had been Muslim, what would have happened? If they had been shot because they were black, what would have happened? If they had been asked if they were homosexual, what would have happened? It'd be a complete, we'd be burning. This nation would be absolutely on fire if they had been nine black people. But you don't care because it doesn't further your agenda. The only thing that it does help you with your agenda is it gave you an opportunity to talk about gun confiscation. And there is nobody, and I, I said today, I am so, don't come to me anymore and talk about we need common sense solutions. Do you really mean to tell me that one more felony conviction would have stopped this guy? I said today, some guy sitting there so full of hate in his home against Christians, so caught up with this insanity that is radical Islam, that they're loading up guns and ammunition. They've written manifestos that they posted on on social media everywhere. They go and seek out a gun-free zone, intentionally going to seek people out. And oh, by the way, oh, then they hear on the way there, gee, they're going to murder 20 people, which is like the worst laws that you can break in America. But they hear that it's against the law. They're they're subject to one more felony conviction if they pull the trigger and shoot 20 people and kill them. And oh, by the way, they're really the, the whole thing is really about a suicide mission anyway because they're going to kill themselves or force a policeman to shoot them. Um, so they're never going to have to spend a day in prison because they broke any of these laws. But 
They heard that there was one more law passed about what they were doing, so they're going to stop. Are you kidding me? I, if I hear one more moron, one more brain dead bent out of Hollywood talking about how we need common sense, I, I may have to go, you know what? I'm starting to think that anybody who comes off with that kind of stuff should be shot. But you know what I heard, Todd? I actually heard that there was somebody there who actually had a gun on them because they had a concealed carry permit. That person was told to stand down. And I say to that person, and I don't remember if he's an Army veteran or a, a military veteran. Why did you let anybody tell you to stand down? You had an obligation at that point to save as many people as you could. Why would you let anybody to tell you not? What's the purpose of carrying? What's the pur- That's the whole purpose is to be able to defend yourself for the lives of somebody else. And you don't do it? To me, I'm, I'm really not happy with that individual who did that. And how, you know, and one of the other worst things is when Obama took to the microphone, the lies that he told, I am so sick of his lies. He gets up there and says, we know that towns and countries that have the strictest gun laws are the safest. That is such a bald faced lie. We know from Chicago, we know from Australia. He, he specifically quoted Great Britain and Australia when he talked about implementing other nations' laws. You know what happened in Great Britain and Australia? It was gun confiscation. They called it gun buyback programs, but it was mandatory. And guess what? It hasn't worked. In fact, while this was going on, we had a fatal shooting of a police employee outside of a, outside of a police force headquarters by, guess what? A 15-year-old Islamic terrorist. It's, this is... This is about a gun grab so that they can get over on us. The Second Amendment was founded by uh, was implemented by our founders to protect us, not just against bad guys, but against an overreaching government. How is Obama going to actually make that happen? I'll tell you how I think he's going to make it happen. Did you hear that on September 29th, uh, Ms. Lynch, the same attorney general that we haven't heard a peep of, within seconds she was talking about the Charleston church shooting. She was going to do a hate crime investigation. Hate crimes all over when Michael Brown robbed a store and assaulted a police officer and died. Not a peep right now. Meanwhile, what she did go do was she went to the United Nations and she launched something called the Strong Cities Network. Doesn't that sound nice? Oh, Strong Cities. It sounds like so good for society. Um, the problem is, is that what it really is about is it's about a police force, a global police force that's going to be run, that's actually going to put boots on the ground in our cities. And the actions and the efforts of that are actually going to be run by, I think I'm going to have to start reading, needing some reading glasses. This is kind of the squint print. It's going to be run by an organization called the Institute for Strategic Dialogue. It's a think and do tank. It just all sounds really nice. And, oh, what are they going to do? It's going to enable cities across the globe to pool our resources, knowledge, and best practices together and thus leave us standing stronger in the fight against violent extremism. Now, they never really define what is violent extremism. We know from President Obama that he thinks violent extremism is right-wing conservatives. They never really define what it is, okay? But when we've got a president that went after 9-11 when four Americans died in Benghazi and went to the United Nations and said the future does not belong to those who would slander the prophet Muhammad. I think we know what, he, what they mean by violent extremists. We know that the left constantly refers to conservatives as extremists. If we are going to have the United Nations, 
running our police force, implementing global ideas at the same time in order to police our streets with a global police force at the same time that we have President Obama talking about, um, how did he put it? He says our politics have to change in regards to gun laws at the same time that we now have a global police force implementing global ideas. What does that tell you? What's that global idea that's going to happen here in America? We're good. They're going to be going around telling us to cough up our guns. And then President Obama is going to party like it's 1939 because that's the kind of crap that went down in pre-World War II Germany. Okay, that's how they get control of societies is they get guns away from all the good people. And there's way more good people with guns right now than there are bad guys. But they really want to get the guns out of our hands. So that's what's that's what's happening with that. Meanwhile, what else is happening? What else has happened at the U.N.? Well, what happened at the U.N. was we had Putin and we had Obama both at the U.N. talking about Syria and what's going on over there. So we've got a president who laid out a red line. First of all, when it came to Syria, what did we have from a president that was doing? He was arming al-Qaeda through Libya, which is why we ended up with an ambassador killed over there. We have an, we have Egypt that is now under the rise of radical Islam, Libya that's under the rise of radical Islam. We've got President Obama who armed the people going against Assad with our, with our weapons. He put a red line in the sand against Assad, and then when Assad crossed it, he did nothing. So we've, we've got the Middle East completely erupting right now with the rise of radical Islam. And Putin says to him, you know what, step aside, man, get off the porch. I'm in charge here. I'm so confused over who, who are the bad guys, who are the good guys, what the heck is going on in Syria that I, I didn't really know what to think. But I knew somebody who did, and it's Major General Bob Scales from Fox. So I called upon him to answer some questions to me. What the heck is going on in Syria? What could we and what should we be doing with this situation? Hey, Bob, welcome back to the Andrea K. Show. Hey, Andrea. How are you? I hear you're on vacation. I'm good. Yeah. We're, you're on vacation this week, I understand. I'm in Marco Island and living the good life. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your vacation to join us tonight because this Syrian situation has so many people concerned and confused. Some people are saying, you know, are we really looking at like a World War Three, you know, situation here? So I, I reached out to you, as I said in my email, because <clears throat> I am so confused about what's going on in Syria what is the yeah. situation there in terms of with Putin and the situation on the ground? And what could we and what should we, we should we be doing about it militarily? Well, that's a good question. First of all, this this is not uh, a World War Three scenario. What this is, Andrea, is essentially uh, national humiliation. Um, uh, Putin is uh, with an army which is. Oh, gosh, orders of magnitude less effective than ours. He's using his bluster and his intelligence uh, to fill a void, to uh, step in the place that the United States has vacated years ago uh, and has pushed himself not only in the Ukraine, but now he's established a bridgehead uh, in the eastern Mediterranean uh, where he will be for decades. What do we do about it? Well, there's nothing we can do. Uh, in the West. The administration has given up on any 
uh, possibility of ever restarting our assistance to the Syrian rebels. We can't do anything in the South because that whole advisory effort around Baghdad has collapsed. Our only hope um, to have any influence in the region is to reinforce the Kurds. They're the only ones with the will to fight and the, and the skills to fight. And the only way we can even begin to restore our, our integrity and our, our presence in the region is to cut off the main force of, the, uh, of our assistance to the Iraqis, focus on the Kurds, and help them in their campaign to retake uh, northern Iraq and hopefully recapture Mosul. So basically you're saying <clears throat> you're combining our efforts with Iraq— just so that I make sure I understand, because, you know, a lot of people are saying Iraq's gone. That's a lost cause. What are we what are we involved there? In fact, Trump is saying, what are we involved at all in that area? Why well, don't we just, just you know, well, it's think, an infighting. The same thing. I, I think what I'm saying is that uh, any attempt to reengage with those Sunni led uh, militias and what's left of the Iraqi army in the south is, uh, I think, uh, uh, pretty much a lost cause. I think our only hope is to treat the Kurds as an independent nation, treat their military uh, uh, or to uh, uh, reinforce their military directly and reinforce and assist and advise the only decent military that's left in the region that can Mm -hmm. take on ISIS. One of the things that just jumped, your email response to me was just so startling when you said that right now what's going on is that we have set back, we've, we have negated every advancement we had made in the Middle East in the last 40 years, as well right. as, the, as, well as, as what we had done in terms of um, the Cold War since right. World War II. Talk about that a moment. Well, I mean, we have, we have done so much damage to the American security posture in the last six or seven years that for me it's virtually... It can't be retrieved. Putin has managed to uh, essentially break apart the NATO coalition, has shown the West to be uh, weak in its response to his uh, aggression in eastern Ukraine. And so all that we work for uh, to achieve our victory in the Cold War that, that we won in 1989 is essentially, Andrea, back on the table because Putin's on the offensive and we're basically creating a void for him to fill. Secondly, in the Middle East, uh, going back to the Gulf War in 1991, we have whatever we've achieved in the Middle East is now uh, essentially dust. Uh, Iraq is no longer a viable country. Uh, No one in the region, to include Israel, I might add, trusts us anymore. Uh, And our ability to influence something like ISIS or the aggression of Putin uh, is a long way from being fulfilled. It's a very, very sad story. And, you know, it's, it goes back to the old strategic adage. If you create a strategic vacuum, someone is going to fill it. Putin is filling the vacuum in Syria. You know, Obama laid out the red line and Assad, you know, you know, crossed yeah. it and then Obama did nothing. I read the other day on, on Twitter a retired air, uh, admiral and he said that what he would have said to Putin was when when Putin basically announced he was going to do this. He, he says, I would tell Putin, you put a plane up in the skies and we're going to use it as target practice. What would have been wrong with the U.S. military? I mean, was he just blustering or is that type of approach what the U.S. military should be doing right now? To, to, I mean, are we just going to lay down, Bob? What do we do? Well, let's, let's, let's just uh, uh, get the facts straight for our listeners. 
please understand that the Russian military, to use the old expression, is crap. He's got 800 men, uh, 800,000 soldiers on the under arms, but there's probably no more than 80,000 of those uh, who aren't conscripts who lost uh, the lottery. He doesn't have a single stealth airplane uh, in his arsenal. The airplanes that you see on the tarmac in Syria are all 70s and 80s era aircraft with inexperienced pilots and poor logistical support. The United States military... uh, could uh, could uh, could win in any type of engagement about uh, with the Russians. What's missing, Andrea, is not material or superior military. What's missing is will, mm-hmm. and will is a principal ingredient in in any military. And Putin clearly understands from uh, you know the last seven years that the United States has no will to engage him in any capacity, and he's taken advantage of that. Now, we're running away from this as Russia advances, and it makes me very sad to see the world's greatest military step back and let him get away with it. Yeah, and you look at what's happening in, well, before I talk about Afghanistan, as you were talking, then I was just thinking about, of course Putin understands that. I mean, he was probably watching that same debate in 2012 in which Obama said to Romney, hey, the 80s called, and they want their foreign policy back, you know? Yeah, and now I read that in Afghanistan, the Taliban has taken back Kunduz, and basically yes. everything, all the advancements we've made there, you know, more military have died under under President Obama in Iraq and Afghanistan than ever in the all eight years under Bush. And actually, that happened in the first four years of President Obama. And, oh, and it's because right. the rules of engagement are just really setting our military up, you know, for a loss. Yes. Last question for you. What do you want to see in the next commander in chief? Well, I, I think I... I think I want to see two things. Number one is a commander-in-chief who is willing to restore the integrity, the morale uh, of of our military. As I've written in op-eds before, my great fear is all of this loss, all of the reductions of the pink slips and all these other things that are happening to our brave men and women have had such a deleterious effect on their uh, on their morale. I'd like to see a president, sort of like Reagan in 1980, step up to the plate and say, I'm here to support you. I'm going to provide you the means that, that uh, you'll need to win in a future war. And then I want him to stand up, much as Ronald Reagan did in 1981 and 82, and turn to Mr. Putin and say, Vladimir, you are nothing more than a circus clown. You really have no serious military capability. And now I'm going to stand up to you and I'm going to turn I'm going to turn it back. I'm going to reinforce the Ukrainians. I'm going to give them real weapons so they can push you back. I'm going to uh, uh, create a counteroffensive in the Middle East using reliable partners and I'm going to embarrass you in the global arena. Uh, as just uh, uh, the American military can do and has done so well in the past, that would do a great deal to to restore American prestige uh, uh, in, in the Middle East and elsewhere. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for taking time from your vacation to come on the Andrea K. Show. <laughs> My pleasure, Andy. All right. Have a great night. Thanks so much. Hey, Bob. Welcome back to the Andrea K. He is just, first of all, I got to say, hey, 
Welcome back to all you uh, listeners out there on Facebook. I love you all so much for hanging in there and waiting until the stream came back on live. Peggy and David and Dan and Timothy and Charles and just Joe and just everybody out there. Thank you so much. Hopefully you got to hear all of Major General Bob Scales' interview. I think you did. And I'm reading some great comments there, especially one from Charles. He says that he heard a good point that Putin wants moderates as heads of states in the Middle East. While Obama keeps pushing for radicals of heads of state, that's exactly what's happened, Charles. In fact, it used to be it was the strategy for many years to keep people like uh, Muammar Gaddafi and uh, and Basar Assad or whatever his name is, um, because while these strong men weren't really the greatest dudes like the Shah of Iran back in the day, but really they were the guys actually who protected the ethnic minorities, and they actually were more allies to us. And so I don't think it's a coincidence that we had uh, Egypt and Libya and now Syria in terms of taking down these people that actually were our allies and the rise of radical Islam in the Middle East. That actually was his strategy. In fact, Dinesh D'Souza, I think, is the one who had the documentary 2016. And at the end of it, he had... Uh, an image which had the Middle East uh, all now under the power and the rise of radical Islam with a militarily neutered America. And that's exactly where we are. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got to talk about more on the other side. We're going to talk a little bit more about the military. We've got an interesting article there and something that Duncan Hunter here from San Diego is working on. And then actually we're going to move into a little economics. Did you guys know, remember the TPP? Something I talked about a lot uh, a few months ago. Well, that's back in the news today. So we're going to talk a little economics. And I'm just so glad to have you all back with me. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. I got that good love, girl, you Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. Unwind and treat yourself to three 60-minute float sessions at Float Spa San Diego for just $65. This is a $225 value that's over 60% off. Go to CrazyPriceMall.com for this great deal. A healthy body starts with a healthy mind. It's the Crazy Price Mall Treat Yourself Special. We only have limited certificates available. This deal will be going fast at CrazyPriceMall.com. Shop easy, smart, and local. It's CrazyPriceMall.com. Fresh Healthy Vending, the nation's largest healthy vending company, is looking for locations in this area to place its latest innovation. A fresh, healthy micromarket at absolutely no cost to your business. A fresh, healthy micromarket is like a mini health food store for your office break room. Choose from breakfast meals, fresh salads, wraps, hot meals, smoothies, cold-pressed juices, and more, all at a convenient self-checkout kiosk. Now you can offer your employees exactly what they want. All natural, healthy, fresh, and organic foods. Fuel productivity and creativity, decrease absenteeism, and increase morale. Fresh Healthy Vending is offering the first 20 offices that sign up $250 cash and 15% of the net profits each micromarket generates each month. For free information about this exciting and healthy opportunity, visit freshandhealthy.org to request your free machine. 
You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. I'm just enjoying myself so much more now that I've got all y'all out there on Facebook able to listen now. And on Twitter as well. Follow me there at Andrea K Show. Before the break, we were talking to Major General Bob Scales about the, what's happening over in the Middle East and Syria and... It's really important. He says that pretty much he thinks that that area is gone. I think we can get it back. But what we've got to get back is a commander in chief with some will. Commander in chief that's willing to look somebody in the eye and say, you know what? Don't go there. A commander in chief that when he draws a red line in the sand and says, don't don't step over it. that when they do, he, he get, does a Jimmy Doolittle style raid on him, knocks him out. What we've got instead right now. Is, here's what's going on in our military. By the way, if you if you're I'm not sure when everybody's stream came up. I was talking earlier on the show about the Second Amendment attack and the gun confiscation grab. This is real about what they want to do so much so that it's it's not even just President Obama actually saying in a, in a speech referencing Great Britain and Australia in terms of two countries specifically that did gun, gun confiscations. I was talking about a new global police force that's going to be into our cities. And I'm not going to repeat the story, but if you didn't hear what I was talking about, this is where the United Nations is going to be putting blue helmets through a um, strong cities network, stupid plan, basically to put global laws onto our streets. So I hope if you didn't hear me, hopefully you tune into the podcast and listen to that part of the show. Here's what's going on in our military. Um, I think I might have talked about this a little bit on on last week's show, but back in 2012, before he was killed, Lance Corporal Gregory, and this is an article from New York Times, Lance Corporal Gregory Buckley uh, phoned his father and claimed, told his dad that Afghan police forces, about the Afghan police forces and that he and his fellow Marines um, shared in southern Afghanistan, and he told his dad about how the officers were routinely sexually abusing young boys. And he said he told his dad about how they could hear the kids screaming at night, and there was nothing they could do about it. And now we also know from Green Beret Sergeant First Class Charles Martland that he had the same concerns as Lance Corporal Buckley. And in 2011, he, along with Captain Daniel Quinn, intervened. When it was allegedly discovered that an Afghan police official had tied a young boy to his bed as a sex slave. Well, you would think that this guy, that these, you know, Marines, these would be, these Green Berets would be, you know, decorated for, you know, saving these children. Instead, Sergeant First Class Martland is actually being drummed out of the Army, and he's not alone. There's another Major Jason Bresler that's also facing just discharge because he blew the whistle on some rapes going on with the Afghan police. So this is where we're at with our military to where we are punishing our military heroes for saving children from being raped by Muslims. That's where we're at. We've got a commander in chief that has this policy going on. So enter young Duncan Hunter here from California, as well as Congressman Vern Buchanan in Florida. Uh, they Congressman Hunter says that Sergeant Martland is the kind of guy you want doing bad things to bad people. That's what he does. He spent his entire life, two bronze stars, 11 years of service, and they want to terminate him for trying to save children from being raped. This is the Democrat Party. 
who want to who want to talk all day long about the war on women by the Republicans because we don't want to pay for a woman's birth control. They don't care about children. That's where the Democrats are. They don't care about children. They don't care about their lives. They don't care if they're chopped up and have their parts sold. They don't care if they're raped all day long and held as sex slaves by Muslims. They don't care. And that's what's going on with our military. As well as the fact that James Rosen wrote an article today. I, I usually think of James Rosen as somebody having a common sense, but then I'm going to move then I'm going to move on from the U.S.-Russia story. But he says the big problem with the U- U.S. and Russia right now with what's going on with Syria is that they can't, they can't reach an agreement on the definition of terrorism. You know, what is a terrorist? You know, Putin is saying that the rise of ISIS came from the Americans going into Iraq, and the Americans are saying, no, that it's Bashar's fault, that, you know, we've got the rise of, of the Islamic State. No, I tell you who's responsible for the Islamic State, James Rosen, and the American people. It's Islam. It's the Quran. Why do we even why are we even having this conversation? Why is anybody allowing the, and particularly any Republican or anybody with any sense allowing themselves to be dragged into a discussion as to whether whose fault it is for the rise of ISIS? We know whose fault it is. We've got to get back to where we are clearly identifying what happened in Oregon is the same thing that's happening over there. Twelve Christians in Syria were beheaded because they said they were Christians. We had nine that were shot in the head in Oregon because they said they were Christian. It's the same ideology. That's the problem that we're facing. It's the ideology. And we need to do like Nani Darwish says, and we need to have enough courage to name our enemy and its location. And the enemy is Islam and radical Islam. And it's here in America. Shifting gears. What happened also Friday when Obama came to the microphone and was talking about after, you know, he finished talking about the gun grab and, you know, his gun confiscation plan. Actually, he started talking about praising his administration and the job numbers and saying how fabulous the economy is. And we, of course, know that that's not true. But we also know that I guess the TPP test uh, passed today. I am not a financial expert, but I know somebody who is. In fact, he's actually got a show here on KCBQ. His name is Steve Sexton. I'm happy to have him come for the first time on the Andrea K show and help me discuss what's going on with the job situation and the TPP. Steve Sexton, welcome to the Andrea K show. Thanks for having me, Andrea. Hey, um, first of all, jobs. President Obama came to the microphone and started saying, hey, congrats to me. Look at all these jobs we've created. We've created 140,000 jobs, although most of those actually were not even in the private sector. They were in the federal government. What's going on with the job situation today and unemployment? There's some big problems because what a lot of people haven't paid attention to is what's happening in China. China's economy has actually slowed down to a almost a three-year low, and because of that, companies like Caterpillar has uh, uh, I'm sorry, laid off 35,000 people. We saw that at Qualcomm. We're seeing it many others. The effect that's happening in China is actually transcending itself around the world and here in the United States. Now, one of the other things is there's some big discrepancies in how these jobs are reported. If you look at the jobs report from August, it was like 210, 212,000, but it got revised down to 176,000. And we're going to see the same thing in September, and we'll probably see the same thing in October. We're just seeing a contraction. And the reality is if you take a look at what's happening with companies' earnings, the third quarter earnings are expected to be decreased by 4.5% over last year. And we're, we're going to see the first two quarters of earnings 
from a negative standpoint for two quarters in a row, which means what do companies do when it happens? They restructure, they lay off people. So the jobs report isn't all that great, and it's even more not that great when the federal government's doing all the uh, hiring. Right. And also, uh, you know, I'm actually looking at an article that was in uh, the Wall Street Journal. I think this was actually might have been Friday as well. And and the title of the article is The Big Jobs Miss. And it talks about the new normal for growth in America right now, which is really isn't growth, is at 2.2 percent. And, you know, you can't sustain, as this article talks about, you can't sustain uh, you're vulnerable to the slightest little, you know, hiccup or whatever that does happen globally. And, you know, and and also with that kind of growth, you can't rise anybody's living standards here in America. And while this 2% growth is going on where jobs are and and incomes are stagnant, prices are doubling everywhere, Steve. I'm $5 for a dozen eggs at the grocery store. Oh, yes. You know, it's uh, the reality. It's it's kind of funny because when you take a look at when the – Jenny Yellen talks about rate increases. I really don't expect to see it. If they do it, it might be an eighth or something like that. And the reason being is if you look at the last 13 rate increases, we're talking 60, 70 years ago, we had inflation, wage and growth, wage growth, earnings growth. And in fact, our whole economy was boiling, and that's how they had to slow it down. But you're looking at a GDP of almost 3% plus. And here we're at 2 and bordering between 1.9 and maybe 2.2. It just isn't going to cut it. So I don't really see that happening. I don't see our, uh, our economy boiling over, but that's also going to affect star prices here pretty soon. Because on Thursday, we're going to start hearing about the third quarter earnings reports. And this 300-point gain that we saw today might be short-lived. Yeah, and well, and that gain today in part was due to the TPP passing, which is nothing but a big, you know, corporate giveaway to, you know, and and I did extensive, I did almost an entire show one time talking about all the details that's involved in the TPP. Just to net it down, basically the end result is you're going to have some big global corporations really kind of controlling everybody's economy. They're even going to be, there's even going to be a kind of a forum set up where they can actually challenge uh, U.S. courts in terms of different types of, of legislation going on at at the most simple terms. What it really does is it, it, it even adds to the to the horrible job market we've got here, because supposedly it's under the guise of raising worker standards around the world. But all it's really going to do is make it even more possible for jobs to go elsewhere and have fewer jobs here. It's going to reward people for keeping manufacturing overseas. You know what, what a lot of people just don't understand is the fact that every corporation is designed to create a profit. And if their wages can go down because they go to work in another country or manufacture in another country, geez, it just makes it cheaper. And Steve Jobs said it before he passed away. He said, told President Obama, hey, look, these jobs aren't coming back. And the reality is they won't come back. We are turning into a service industry here in the United States. And that's not going to change until we start bringing jobs back in the United States. And these programs just push everything overseas. Right. And shame on the Republican Party, because when they they passed the TPA, the authority to give President Obama negotiating power, they lied and they said that what would happen is they had to give him that authority so that then they would be able to see what was in the TPP when the reality was that was smoke and mirrors. Everybody already knew what was in the TPP. They already knew they were selling us out economically. It includes the Import-Export Bank, which is basically just a big guarantee, loan guarantee to all these these corporations out there, keeping the taxpayers on the hook for corporations that, that ha- have jobs that aren't even here in America. And that was all uh, that was all a big lie on top of it we've got you know open borders we've got refugees being brought here what you know so many 
of the huge percentage of any new jobs being created and being filled or even being filled by non-Americans. So we have a huge job crisis here in America. And no, it's not as sexy of a topic to talk about as what happened in Oregon or, or the radical Islam issue that we face. But this is the issue that so many people vote on. So if I can get people to want to go and vote, and, and, and it's because, Steve, when, you know, it, it's hard to get people to necessarily focus on some bigger picture issues that we face in terms of national security when they can't feed their kids. Well, you know, the reality is let's really tell people what it means to them. And I don't want to diminish anybody's passing or getting killed by some wacko that's Islamic. But at the end of the day, a bill like this basically says to huge companies, go ship our jobs overseas, which means we're not going to see wage growth. We haven't seen wage growth in six or seven years and we will continue not to see wage growth, which means people who want to raise up in society and have the American dream, it might not be there unless they're able to start their own business. Right. Well, I'm not really sure what we can do at this point. And I think some of the TPP elements are, 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 are years in the making. I think what we need to do is we need to really put some pressure. People need to start paying attention to some of these economic stories that aren't really that interesting to them if they're not really interested. But they also need to start paying attention to um, our candidates and, you know, start holding them responsible for some of these decisions we need to understand where our candidates stand on these i want in other words i want the top republican candidates to be asked specifically about some of the elements in the tpp what their what their plan is to bring these jobs back here and what their plan is to stop some of these tpp elements um being implemented and that's one of the things that we have to do as we're going into 2016 we need to educate ourselves as voters and we need to make sure that we're voting for people that are going to turn this stuff around steve thanks so much for calling in tonight tell people a little bit about you and where they can hear your show well uh my show is winning in life with steve sexton i'm on thursday nights from uh 8 to 9 p.m right here on 1170 a.m all right thanks so much steve i appreciate it thanks for having me andrea have a great evening bye-bye okay um speaking of 2016 you know, I mean, I, you know, as I'm telling Steve, you know, we got to ask questions of our candidates. I'm thinking, you know, when do I have a chance to ask Trump? When am I going to have a chance to ask Cruz? And so far, we've had debates where there has not been in, in the Fox debate or the CNN debate. There was not one question asked about economics. Not once was the TPP asked. No economics questions. No, we got Megyn Kelly asking Trump about whether or not he said something ugly to Rosie O'Donnell. You want women to die, she asked Scott Walker. I didn't even pay attention to half of what went on in that CNN debate. It was so ridiculous and so stupid by Tapper. I don't even remember. It's like I've got post-traumatic stress syndrome, and I can't even remember what happened in that debate. It was so bad. Um, But speaking of Trump, new polls came out today. Here's some really interesting poll results. We've got a few minutes left before we got to go into our into our nine o'clock hour. So stay tuned for hour two, because that's going to be a really fun hour as well. Here's what's happening in terms of the GOP race. Wall Street Journal NBC Marist poll came out today. Fiorina in Iowa has the biggest gap against Hillary. I got to tell you, I'm really surprised to hear that because she's basically taken some heat with some negative stories lately. She's 5238 over Hillary. And uh, which is the biggest gap against Hillary of anybody in Iowa in terms of the Republicans. She Clinton trails Jeb by 10 points and Trump by seven. So really, you know, I got some questions about Fiorina. But if we're really looking just to try to 
maybe have a winning ticket, we might want to still think about having her on the ticket. Although what's really scary inside this Marist poll and this Wall Street Journal poll is the fact that Sanders, he actually trails Bush and Fiorina by only two and three points. This is a socialist. He's got more people at his rallies than Obama did in 2008. And nobody's really talking about that. We got to really get inside. I was talking at the open about the attack on Americans. There's been such a siege on Americans by the left and with their propagandists in the media and with our school systems and in so many ways that we now have Americans that are just openly demanding a system that's failed everywhere it's ever been implemented. And part of that is because of something called the Cloward-Piven principle, which I'm not sure has been completely implemented yet. But basically, it's that you make people so miserable enough with with a free market system that they eventually will beg for complete government control because they're so miserable. But here's some really interesting, great news that I love. And I think it was Peggy who posted this uh, Survey USA poll on my wall today. 25% of black respondents say they would vote for Trump over Hillary. I love that. We've got to have a candidate. They, we've been hearing, we heard in it with McCain and with Romney, oh, we've got to have a moderate Republican, da 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 They're never able to reach over and capture that much of the black vote. They're never able to reach across the aisle and get into the Democrats. They're barely able to get the independents. This is a great sign for us taking 2016. Now, speaking of a great sign, I'm glad that the Internet streams back up and you all can join me in the second hour. We're going to have lots of fun here, so don't change that dial, folks. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. And follow me on Twitter at Andrea K. Show. Thanks for tuning in so far. Don't change that dial. Here come bad news talking this and that. Yeah. This program on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Allied Media Group. The Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Andrea K. Welcome to the Andrea K. Show. She's blonde, 5'2", and 107 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea Kay. Welcome back to the Andrea Kay Show. It is hour two, and I am just so happy to have you all here with me. Thank you all for tuning in and, and hanging in there, even though the internet stream wasn't working for a while. Not sure how much you guys missed. <clears throat> Probably a good bit of my rant and raving about what was going on with this Obama administration and the Oregon shooting. So uh, we're going to have the archives. The podcasts are going to be uh, loaded up by tomorrow morning. So tune in if you want to hear a little rant and rave. Doug Kaiser always likes my rant. So I love to do that for him with him in mind. Before the break, though, we were talking about some recent poll numbers and what's going on with the GOP race. I actually think it's a great sign that 25% say they will vote for Trump. And, you know, my friend Timothy Shea said, well, but he's not conservative. Well, here's what I, I'm kind of of this of the mindset that Zach said recently on Facebook. He said, look, the biggest issue we have, he agrees with me. The biggest issue we have in the nation right now really is our border situation. That's our physical border with Mexico. That's our virtual border in terms of immigration. Look, look, look at what's happening. Thousands and thousands and thousands of refugees being brought here. We know at least 20 percent of them are radical Islamists. They're being brought here. They're going to be on government assistance. I even did the numbers recently in terms of how much welfare they're going to be receiving paid for by the taxpayers. We've got people coming here and overstaying their visas. We've got economic border situation with the, with the TPP. We've got a border situation now where we've got the, we've got the Department of Justice going to the U.N. And, and getting together to have a global 
police force on our streets imp- implementing global law enforcement ideas, a.k.a. we're going to come and take your guns away from you. Okay, that's that's what we've got going on. So I say if we if he truly means what he's saying and he's going to take care of this border situation, if that's all he gets done and doesn't get anything else done in his first term as president, I'm okay with that. And I actually think I actually believe him when he says that he will get that done. However, overall, if I were to look at all the candidates in the race right now, who do I actually love the most? I actually love Ted Cruz. I do. I posted an article. There are many people. I think it was the Hill article I posted. Where, you know, he's slow and steady, wins the race. He's counting on that. You know, my friend Elisa Brent's actually working for the the Cruz campaign here in California. And I told her the other day, I get the fact that he's he's going to be taking in when Walker drops out and Rand Paul drops out. And these people are going to end up, you know, coming to Cruz. He's still got to, you know, you can't just rely on taking the leftovers from people. He's actually going to start having to get some fundraising going on and get a little bit more momentum. They're particularly marginalizing him. I also talked about the debates earlier. I mean, the guy in a three-hour debate probably got five minutes of airtime, and, of course, they didn't ask him anything relevant. Certainly, like I said, no economics questions were asked. But I'm loving these numbers for Trump because, first and foremost, we got to – I, as I told Craig Sewing on his show, I'm right now for a Trump cruise ticket – it could be Trump Cruz. It could be Cruz Trump. Those are the two that I got my eyeballs on. Cruz also gives us the identity politics. He gives us that angle of uh, the Latino vote. So I'm liking that. Of course, you know who I don't like on the Democrat side, and that's Hillary. Judge Napolitano has gone on Fox, and he says that he, he thinks that the FBI is actually going to recommend an indictment. Will they recommend an indictment? I don't know. Even if they do, it ain't going to go anywhere. Does anybody really believe that the Department of Justice is going to indict Hillary Clinton? That's, as, that's the same thing as actually believing that one more gun law would have prevented what happened in Oregon from happening. You know, that, I mean, it's, it's nonsense. I don't think it's going to happen. We already know that she lied. We already know that she destroyed evidence, destroyed, her, destroyed emails and destroyed her hard drive after she was subpoenaed and told she had to keep those. We already know she violated the Espionage Act and she's going to you know, say that she didn't know anything about technical and she didn't know this under the Espionage Act. Knowledge is not a defense. Just like me saying to a police officer, I didn't know what the speed limit was. You know, that doesn't protect you with the Espionage Act. We already know that she violated the Records Act. I mean, you really, if they wanted to indict her, they would have already. She's not going down. Do I think she's ultimately going to get the, the nomination for the Democratic Party? No, because I actually think that there's enough people on that left that really want Bernie Sanders that I think that I think that she's going to get shoved out. But I don't think she's ever going to be indicted. I could be wrong. In fact, I'm willing to make a bet if anybody wants to bet me on it. Um, what I do, in addition to the GOP race for president, I really want everybody to be paying attention to all the congressional races going on out there. As everybody's been talking about Boehner and his resignation and being forced out and who's going to step in, is it going to be McCarthy and why McCarthy is worse than Boehner? Um, Although I'm not really sure. I've got to look. I mean, it stands to reason that McCarthy's part of the establishment. Look at what he did, his dopey thing, you know, completely throwing Gowdy and the Benghazi hearings under the bus by making it saying that it was political. Um, I'm not a fan of McCarthy, but I'm also not necessarily a huge fan of Jason Chaffetz. 
You know, I think that I think that we really need somebody who's not establishment to shake things up. But the establishment, basically, the House gets to vote. And basically, there's more establishment people in the House than there is Tea Party. And what we really need to do is not sit and think that we're really going to get, you know, a really strong conservative Tea Party person in right now. I think what we need to do is look at every race out there and get behind who we really think can go to Washington and actually make some change. We have a guy here named Tom Del Beccaro who's running for Barbara Boxer's seat. I predicted the second the House got, um, actually, when, when it last fall, when we had the majority was given to the Republicans in the House and the Senate, that Barbara Boxer was going to retire because if she couldn't have a chairmanship, then, you know, she, you know, she couldn't be just like any other, you know, senator. She's too good for that, right? Um, Tom Del Beccaro, he was on, I, part one of my interview was last week in which we talked about immigration. Uh, part two involves radical Islam as well as the Planned Parenthood vote. I'm loving this guy. He's got some great strategies in which what the Republican Party can do in terms of getting momentum going into 2016, changing the narrative. You know, what was Megyn Kelly's game all about with that first debate? What was CNN's game all about in the second debate? It was all about crafting a narrative about the Republican Party. The Republican Party hates women. And, you know, we're just all the party of no. and We don't have any good ideas and we can't really get anything accomplished. And, there, you know, with Congress's approval rating being as bad as it is, we need somebody who's got big ideas and ideas that they can turn things around. We've got to pay just as much attention to every congressional race as we do the Republican Party. Here is part two of my interview with Tom Del Beccaro. Right. But why shouldn't that be seizing the momentum on the Planned Parenthood, on the sanctuary cities and the illegal immigration? These are the hot button issues. And then we also have a hot button issue with with Carson coming out and saying, you know what? Here we are in the heels of September 11th, another anniversary. And we've got it. We have a problem uh, with radical Islam and it's the elephant in the room and the PC police are beating us down on it. And, you know, that's an issue that that is resonating with the American people. Why aren't we getting behind some of those and have a game plan around those? Well, they don't have a game game plan at all. The reason why I picked the VA is because no one's against getting vets better health care. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. That's true. That is a instant national majority issue. Mm-hmm. So if you're st- if you're a cart stuck in mud like the Republican leadership is, mm-hmm. you want one that everybody can get behind and build some momentum. Nobody's going to say, oh, we shouldn't help the vets. No one's going to say we shouldn't help the post office. Get rolling and then hit the issues you're talking about once you have some momentum. Because if if you if I'm in a I'm a small I'm a business attorney, right? And we do small business attorney and I negotiate contracts. I don't start negotiating with the hardest issue. I start with the easiest to build momentum. Mm-hmm. Republicans need to build momentum and get their feet on the ground and fine, do the Planned Parenthood in January, do the border in February. But get underway, do something. Right now, and this is what Christie said, why don't you throw tax reform? People forget that in 2000, the Republicans put a big tax cut on the on the uh, uh, that Bill Clinton vetoed. Mm -hmm. But and Al Gore was against that helped Republicans win this year. So pass reforms and dare the Democrats to say no, Yeah, because everybody, everybody is scared of the IRS. And and when the IRS scandal hit with what was going on with Lois Lerner, 60 something percent of Americans all were behind, were, were together against the IRS. And the Republican Party did nothing with that issue. I think flat tax sells. It's something people can understand. There's some business people are like, you know what? I don't want to give up my deductions or whatever, but they but they would rather give up deductions and have everybody have some skin in the game because. 
because we are at a tipping point where we're closely getting to where we've got, you know, the takers, you know, um, more than 50 yeah. percent, you know, want to live off the makers. And I think it's simple. And, um, and they I, should I think pass it's a great- that unquestionably. They should pass that in June or July, a big tax reform, but build it up. Look, it's not that the, the country has to agree with Republicans on all of these issues. But if they put 10 good reforms between now and the next election and the people like five of them or six of them, not everybody liked everything that was in the contract with America, but it was something they did. And right. you uh, as <laughs> they will forgive them for trying, even if they don't agree 100 percent. But right now they're not trying anything in politics, right. as Nancy Pelosi would say. And this is the only thing I ever quote her on. You either have momentum or you don't. Right. And they and, could seize it. Right. And the, the voters are saying, you know what? You look at Lindsey Graham and others in, in the last two debates. Well, you know, they they give up before they even try. It's the surrender. Uh, they they surrender and then they come up with phony, you know, uh, strategies that really, you know. So let's talk about that right there. Obama says the country wouldn't want that. Mitch McConnell says we can't have that vote because the country wouldn't want that. So let me get this straight. The only thing we should ever pass is the exact mood of the country at the exact time the issue comes up. That's not the definition of leadership. That's leading from behind, which is a nonsensical comment. Why don't you go out and make the case for VA reform and post office reform and tax reform? Americans will listen. Yeah, he said uh, the the movement to defund Planned Parenthood was an exercise in futility. Really? An exercise in futility to try to hold? Well, for him, but I mean, to try to hold somebody accountable for the law when they're caught on videotape breaking the law. Let me throw a couple of gotcha questions at you, because what the, what the left is really good at with their propagandists in the media is derailing every re, uh, Republican candidate with with the simple gotcha questions that for the life of me, I can't understand why Republicans don't have a good answer already set. I think that's why Walker got thrown out, because he didn't have a good answer to to the gotcha question for Megyn Kelly. You would rather women die, you know, in the abortion. Do you believe in are you pro-life, pro-choice? Pro-life. Uh, do you believe and in exceptions? Let me tell you, before we leave that, it's a broader issue than just the abortion issue. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's for people's entire life. I'm against the, the assisted suicide bill. We should err on the side of life at every circumstance. Does that mean there aren't exceptions uh, in circumstances and stories that could be told that will tug your heart and, and make those circumstances? Perhaps. But the reality is that we should err on the side of life. And the suicide bill is a terrible bill. Because, you know, there's a whole body of law. Well, before we get into the suicide okay. bill, I want you to answer this question. Do you, uh, you say you're pro-life. What about the exceptions for rape and incest? Uh, I, I am open to the issue of in those circumstances. So um, would you support a Muslim for president? I, I don't support someone, regardless of religion, who believes that some sort of religious law would somehow override the existing Constitution. On the other hand, I don't believe the Constitution says we should eradicate God from the public square. So if someone was a Muslim and believed that their law, Sharia law, should somehow override some aspect of American law, then I, they would disqualify themselves, in my view. Well, what do we do, given the fact that it's it's on record that there's something called Takiyo, where they, where they feel that it's within um, their... Um, purpose and their agenda to practice deceit. And so they wouldn't be honest. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you disqualify a lot of politicians regardless <laughs> of religion? No, 
that that's tr- that could that's a troubling thing that we'd have to be able to judge. But under no circumstance can you have someone say that my particular religious law mm-hmm. overrides the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Do and, we have a problem with? Is there a problem in Islam? What it, what is there mean? a problem in Islam? Well, I'm not exactly sure what you're saying, but yes, there's a there are portions of Islam that are dedicated to a, a very originalist, intense uh, view of Islam, and they're willing and they're completely intolerant, like ISIS. They're creating a super state in their mind, and they are completely intolerant of moderate Muslims, Christians, and everybody else on the globe. And that is creating an international crisis without question. Is that what you mean? Yes. Yeah. Well, well and this is why I told Lindsey Graham when I saw him last, I said, Lindsey, stop calling them terrorists. Terrorists is a temporary problem. They're creating a super state. And he changed his rhetoric with as a result of, of his discussion with me. He calls them Islamic Nazis intent on building these states. Yeah. And that's already here in the country. And, I, and look, I, and it's totally wrong that anywhere we see law to a Sharia law courts and, and things of that nature. If we if we can do that there, why can't there be Christian courts? Why can't there be Jewish courts? You, you, you get to the point where there is no law at all. Right. Well, uh, one of the things that I'm concerned about is with the political correct correctness going on. I'm disturbed by the fact that we're so far out from 9-11. It's gone from never forget to um, being demanded that we defend an ideology that was responsible for the death. There have been 30,000 attacks in the name of Islam since 9-11. And, you know, and, and, and but if you but if you state there's a problem with Islam, you, you're you're called an, an Islamophobe. Meanwhile, organizations like CARE and the Muslim Brotherhood have gone to John Brennan and gone to the to the Obama administration and demanded that um, radical Islam, the word terror, um, be stricken from be, being stricken from anything that involved a threat assessment. We're not allowed to go into mosques like a mosque that produced in Oklahoma, a man who went and beheaded a woman at work. Um, there's no investigations going on uh, you, you inside know, the, the four, mosque. The, the Fourth Amendment makes it very hard in the United States. They don't have these problems in England. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they want to go into a mosque, they go into a mosque. The Fourth Amendment overall has been a, gr- a great thing. But you cannot be weak and you cannot be police officers knows knows where crime is committed. They don't avoid neighborhoods. They don't patrol all neighborhoods the same. If we can have stop and frisk in New York City because, you know, there's there's a a probable cause to, you know, to to make that happen. We've got probable cause, Tom, to be going into mosques and investigating um, the the fomenting of terror. And and you don't have to be. um, You don't have to just walk into one casually and say, "Okay, I want to see everything. It's very Mm -hmm. easy, in fact for the FBI in this day and age to make the case to a judge that this particular mosque is resulting in X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. There's my probable cause. Let us do our work. But this, you're absolutely right. This notion that we can't offend anybody Mm -hmm. uh, and therefore we can't have a national defense is wrong. I mean, and look, they're playing upon it. Why you saw a, uh, um, a, an imam, I think two or three days ago, say about Europe we should uh, commingle, um, breed with them and take them over. That's mm-hmm. his plan. Yeah. And and if they create enough people, look, during, during the 50s, historians thought Catholics would take over the world, 
because of their higher birth rates than Protestants. Mm-hmm. It is their plan mm-hmm. among to have higher birth rates. Some, not right. all, mm-hmm. preach that. And but we can't sit down there and lay down our wariness in the name of being PC. That's a civilization on the decline. And we need to not uh, hand over our country um, by death by a thousand cuts through little accommodations all along the way. Um, And and that seems to me to be what's happening. And I'm looking for people in Congress as well as as a president who's going to stand up for us, for our traditions, for our Constitution, and not um, allow us to be taken over slowly, inch by inch, through accommodations to Islam. If if France can say that you can't wear a burqa, under certain circumstances, why can't America? Right. It's not enough <laughs> just to have beliefs. you got to be able to express them to it. people right. and show some passion with it. And most of all, give voters a choice. They will listen to a choice. They won't listen to parroted, warmed over, oh, I'm just like them. You know, the right. Democrats aren't going to vote for someone who are a Republican who has their views. They don't. They don't no, why vote. would they? That's right. But right. give them a choice and a practical one. And water is the prop 13 of our generation. And that's what can carry this Senate seat. Where can they get more information about you and your race and in uh, your campaign? Del, you can go to the divided to get the book or go to Barnes and Noble. You can go to Del Bacaro. That's D-E-L-B-E-C-C-A-R-O dot com. Del Bacaro for Senate dot com. Or go to Political Vanguard and see some of my writings. Forbes, Washington Times, Human Events, Daily Caller. Uh, anything you like, I'll be there for you. Well, thanks for coming to San Diego and thanks for coming on my show. All right. I love, love, love everything Tom DeBacaro has to say. I talk about somebody who understands how to win. He is so smart. I love his plan for how the Republican Party can gain momentum. You know, they just don't know how to. He knows how to articulate a message. He knows how to come up with a strategy to win. He's talking about, let's start with the VA. You know, let's coalesce Americans. Who's going to argue against help for the for the veterans? That's that's an area that the Republican Party can get everybody behind. Get the get the American people behind you on an issue. Actually, they could have gotten if they knew how to articulate it. They actually could do the same thing with Planned Parenthood because it's really hard to argue against you know what what happened in those videos. They just didn't know how to maximize it. But he's right. You know the VA system is a mess. We had over three hundred thousand veterans die waiting for service. The Republican Party could follow his plan and get success. At after success after success in in not only putting forth policies and issues that all Americans can get behind, but it also shows where the left really is and really creates what he talks about is that that choice. It's like it's like he's like a modern Ronald Reagan who said we need clearly defined bright colors distinct differences between us and the Democrat Party. I love what he has to say. I think my friend on the line, Timothy Shea, likes what Tom Delbacaro has to say as well. Hey, T. Hey, Lulu. How are you? Good. I'm so happy that y'all are all able to finally listen tonight. I was so bummed that the stream wasn't working, so I'm glad you're all able to listen. I'm not sure well, how you know, much... We just thought you were marketing the podcast. I yeah. to get everybody to listen <laughs> to the podcast anyways, because once through is not enough. you got to listen twice to catch oh. all your great points. Thank you. Now, um, I'm, I'm glad you called because there's a couple of comments that you made on Facebook that I want you to clarify for me. Okay, first I want to talk about Tom Delvacaro. Okay. I love this guy. This is my kind of Republican. This is the kind of Republican we had under Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's going on in Washington right now, these guys, it's not that they don't know how to lead. It's that they can't. They're being blackmailed. I have two extremely reliable sources in Washington that say that Jer- Valerie Jarrett has everybody in that town peeing their pants. That's why 
John Roberts changed his vote on Obamacare twice. You know, first time literally at the, at the 11th hour, and that's why uh, Scalia went ballistic on him. Mm-hmm. Okay, that decision was supposed to go the other way, and he was blackmailed about it, the adoption of his two children from Ireland. It's the reality of what's going on in Washington. Until 2016 comes, we're going to be struggling. Okay, so what we need to do is put in place people like Tom Delbacaro who can take over and start to lead. And he's somebody that I don't believe will do a Rubio. Rubio was elected by Tea Party people. He was supposedly a Tea Party candidate. Then he got to Washington and he started getting whispered in his ear. And I don't think that Jarrett has anything on him. I think that he started listening to the wrong people in terms of consultants and got marginalized because he was told by the establishment, you're either going to go along with what we want or you're not going to get any chairmanship positions. And we're not going to give you any money or any support if you ever want to run for president. We think you're our guy because you're Hispanic and you look good and you're, you know, people come from Cuba. And so he went along with it. I think when Tom Depp. Not everybody's being blackmailed. Right. People are. Okay. Marco sold out. Jeb yeah. Bush sold out. Jeb Bush was a great governor in Florida. I was arguing with people. He's better than his brother. He's different than his brother. He's true conservative. He was against Common Core as governor of Florida. He did wonderful things for Florida. And as soon as he gets out, he takes Pearson's money, and all of a sudden he's pro-Common Core. Forget it. He's dead to me. Well, but I, I think it's even more than that. I think he's a big government guy. You know, you know he's... Uh, he's still for when he, he talks about wanting to be a transformer and just, you know, he's basically he's like so many of the other Republicans who are, are just as much for big government as the left. They just want big government done their way. And what we need is somebody like Trump. You know, last week I criticized Trump because he came out with his with his tax plan, but he really didn't talk about any kind of cuts as a way to pay for it. He talked about closing loopholes and vague kind of crap. He came out. Later on, and he said, I'm for cutting the Department of Education, at least in a slash and burn kind of way, maybe not completely eliminating it, but getting rid of a whole lot of it. Same thing with the EPA. That's the kind of mindset we need. I'm not hearing that from anybody else in the Republican Party. So that's the that's kind of what we need in terms of, you know, you said something interesting on Facebook that, you know, um, that Chaffetz isn't great, but he's better than McCarthy. Why? In terms of replacing Boehner. If you look at the scores. From some of the conservative rating groups, uh, Chaffetz is actually a BB plus. Uh, McCarthy is a dismal failure. But even more than that, McCarthy's statement on the Benghazi Ugh. committee tanking Hillary's campaign was the stupidest thing I have ever heard in 40 years of politics. OK, yeah. I literally have been doing politics. Actually, before that, my first campaign was leafleting when I was six years old, um, 47 years ago. So in a lifetime in politics, it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard anybody say, because not only is it stupid politically, it's wrong. That's not what the committee is about. The committee is about the fact that we have a felonious, treasonous secretary of state. Right. Although I will say that I'm kind of with Scott McKay to where, you know, one of the things that we need is we need to start uh, electing people that are going to end this kind of committee hearings is not action. It's not actually doing something. Benghazi happened almost three years ago. And we're still having dribs and drabs of hearings. That's not accomplishment. 
You're right that no, it's, it's kabuki that theater. It's, it, it, it's, it's nothing but theater. And we need some people that are going to start holding people literally accountable. And one of the things that we need to do is we need to, we need to come. I want somebody who's going to. And I, and I wish I had asked Del Bacaro this. In fact, I may call him up and ask him, you know, it, you know what he thinks about having hearings completely changed to where it's nothing but maybe prosecutors. All it is now in terms of theater is it's four minutes or five minutes of statements where everybody's trying to get their politics in. They softball questions. They let Hillary yell at them and nothing ever gets nothing ever gets accomplished. What we really need, and this is probably the most radical proposal you have ever heard from me. What we need is a constitutional amendment to provide Congress with not only subpoena power, Okay, but enforcement power, because what we have is the second criminal, corrupt attorney general in a row. Eric Holder and Loretta Lynch are absolutely corrupt criminals. And there's no way that there will ever be an independent prosecutor. There is no way there will ever be any justice coming out of the Department of Justice with people like that in charge. Eric well, maybe we're, maybe instead in of an amendment of Congress, right? Congress knows that, and because they have no no enforcement power, right? They well, need to give Congress enforcement power. Well, actually, well, they could get a special prosecutor. They could have called for that. That's at, what I mean. at, we need to point. give them. We need to give Congress the ability to call a special prosecutor. Right now, they do not have that. Right. Well, I got to leave it there. Thank you so much for calling in. We're going to take a quick break. Right and, great show. All right, thanks, son. We're going to take a quick break, and we come back. We're going to talk a little bit about BB. My longest living crush is on the great Benjamin Netanyahu. And then we're also going to shift gears. We're going to have the Bellatrix business block. We had a great gal today, and I'm so excited to to introduce her to you all because she's involved in something that's just my first love, and it's reading. So don't change that dial. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Cleaning days are set aside for you to clean, but have you ever not wanted to? Especially the windows. If you're anything like me, I would rather do light cleaning throughout the week and on my weekends, just relax and spend time with my family. Window cleaning can be strenuous because of the hard-to-reach places inside and outside the house. That's why I trust Wonder Window Cleaning Company. They help me make it easier for myself and get the job done right. Not only are they insured and licensed, but they respect our home and belongings and always use extra caution when working inside the house. The quality of the service is just different. In the end, life isn't about cleaning. It's about enjoying every second. Let Wonder Window Cleaning Company help you get your house looking clean, fresh, and beautiful without having to do it yourself. Get your windows cleaned today by going to crazypricemall.com. That's crazypricemall.com. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen & Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen & Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657-333. Miramar Kitchen & Bath. 
Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Glad to have you here with me. At the top of the show, way back at the 8 o'clock hour, I was talking about my open was about attacks. You know, there's been so many attacks on us from right and left. It, attacks in terms of attacks on Christians and, and attacks on our intelligence and, you know, attacks on our sovereignty and everything we are as a nation. And um, one of the ways that, that we've been attacked is, actually, I just lost my train of thought. We've just had so many attacks, I don't even know what I was talking about. <laughs> anyway, um, oh, I know what I was thinking. We've had so many attacks, it's hard to keep track of the attacks. It's like now, it's like, you know, we're still under threat of attack by Iran, okay? And, you know, it's only been, what, two weeks or so since the Iran deal went through? Or, or, or have they even voted on it since they came back from recess? It's like, how do we even keep track of all these scandals, right, and all these attacks? Um, well, I tell you who hasn't forgotten about the Iran nuke deal, and that is... None other than Benjamin Netanyahu. So he goes to the U.N. last week and has, I mean, I thought his, his speech to Congress was pretty amazing last week. I know, did it, I'm hoping everybody out there watched his speech because it truly was amazing. I, and I love the screenshot of his face. I don't know. 45 seconds stare down. Oh, yeah. Was that not amazing? Scans everybody, scans them again. Oh, I mean, eyeball to eyeball. I mean, that was absolutely fierce. And I love what he had to say. He said, if Iran's rulers were working to destroy your countries, perhaps you'd be somewhat less enthusiastic about the deal. If Iran's terror proxies were firing thousands of rockets at your cities, perhaps you'd be more measured in your praise. And then he talked about the deafening silence, and then he stared him in the eye for 45 seconds. I tell you, and I also loved what they didn't talk about in this article in townhall.com, was he, he also mentioned a good point to them. He said, you know what? He said, you think they're building all those long-range missiles and these nukes just to take out Israel? He says, they already got missiles that can hit us right now. What do you think all those long-range, even longer-range that they're working on right now? It ain't for us. It's for all y'all out there in the audience. But, when he's, but I, what struck me was when he's talking about if Iran's— Rulers were working to destroy your countries. Perhaps you'd be somewhat less enthusiastic. Well, wait a second. They are working to destroy America. And yet we still have a president of the United States that is helping them out. Think about that and let that sink in. In fact, thanks to Peggy, we got an article that we know that not only are they working to destroy us, we now know, thanks to some memos and some some information that's come out about Bill Clinton's time in the White House, that he actually suppressed evidence, conclusive evidence that it was Iran who killed 19 Americans in the Kobar, Kobar Towers, 19 servicemen, and they hid it. They hid it from us. Instead, he decided to make nice with the new moderate ruler over there in Iran. These, this is a country that shouts and chants death to America every day in their schools. While they were working on this Iran New Deal, they were burning our flag in the streets. They are committed to our destruction, and we have a United States president that's committed to helping them destroy us. This should, if, if Hillary wasn't derailed, derailed by the emails, she should be derailed by this. Why isn't this? I'm reading this today and thinking, where is the Republican Party? Why are they not screaming this to the hilt? Why? 
Why is why isn't Trump? Why isn't Cruz? Why isn't Fiorina? Why aren't they all screaming about this? I don't get it, Republican Party. This should be a national outrage. We had a president of the United States who knows, who finds out that an Islamic terror regime has just killed 19 U.S. Americans, knows about it, does nothing about it, nothing. And that's who we're handing a, a nuclear weapon to. Absolutely outrageous. Got to shift gears, though. I got to get to something lighter and it's something that's, you know, especially as we're, you know, getting closer to the end of the show here. I called upon my legal libertarian analyst, Alicia Dern, who owns Bellatrix Business Law, to help me do some segments where we can feature. It's kind of like a little bit of bringing close up, but not really uh, to the Andrea K. show. But I wanted to highlight some of the local businesses in San Diego and um, and particularly some nonprofits, people doing good work out there, people getting involved in the community and something that could maybe, you know, bring a smile to our face and, and actually lighten a little bit as to, you know, what's going on. And so uh, I want you all to listen to Leora Langs. She is the head of the San Diego chapter. She's the San Diego chapter president of an incredible nonprofit called Room to Read. Reading is something I'll never own a Kindle unless I'm forced to, because there is nothing like reading for me. There's nothing like picking up that book, particularly one that's an old book and flipping those pages. This is something that so many children around the world don't have an opportunity to do. If we really want to lift up people around the world here and abroad, actually, this is one way to do it. In fact, this program, which is in large part helps everybody here and abroad, is kind of similar to what Ben Carson's been doing. And we can't forget about Carson because he's still second to Trump. But I want everybody to listen to uh, Leora Lang from Room to Read, phenomenal organization, and see, you know, if you're listening in San Diego, she's got an event coming up in two weeks. I'm going to be there in Del Mar. It's week after, I think it's two weeks from Saturday. I'm going to be there. So if you're in San Diego, please join me there. If you're not, um, hopefully this this story here in this organization will touch your heart like it did mine. I'd like to welcome Leora Lang, uh, who is the chapter leader for the San Diego chapter of Room to Read. Um, hi, Leora. How are you? Great. Thanks Great. for having me. Great. Um, so tell us a little bit about Room to Read. I really love the founder story uh, for this. And if you could just get, share it with our audience, I think that would be great. Thank you. I really appreciate you guys bringing us in and giving us the opportunity to talk about Room to Read and the big fundraiser that we're hosting for Room to Read on October 17th. Um, for those of you who don't know out there, Room to Read is a global literacy and gender equality and education program that is um, working in about 10 different countries right now, seven in Asia and three in Africa. Mm. And what's really unique about Room to Read is that it started one day when John went out from Microsoft. He was opening up Asian distribution for Microsoft. He'd been doing it for eight years, working really hard, and went to Nepal into the uh, Himalayas to get a Zen on and get a little hike in, and, <laughs> and ended up running into a district manager. And there, that guy, um, and him kind of hit it off, and he went to a school with him. And I think that all of us that have gone and traveled in a third world have seen those schools, and you, no books, the kids are sitting on the floor, no, mm. no windows. And wow. he was just kind of appalled. And he was like, oh, my gosh, don't you guys have any books? And the guy said, oh, yeah, we have books. And he said, where? In the library. Oh, well, can I see him? And so they went down to the next building. And up in the top of the roof almost was a little lockbox the size of a bread box. And they unlocked his books. And it was a photos travel magazine and a romance novel. Wow. No. <laughs> oh, that breaks my heart. Isn't it? Because I grew up reading books. It's my first love. Exactly. Same yeah. with John, avid reader. 
And it just really hit him at that moment that, you know, you can be born in the wrong place at the wrong mm-hmm. time and just not have the benefits that we do here. <sighs> and kind of committed to that guy and said, you know, I, I'm going to bring you back some books. And he right. goes, I hope you will. And uh, so he came back and working for Microsoft back in 1998, he did what was like kind of the first viral campaign. He emailed all of his friends and executives, people in the business. He said, send books and checks to my house or my dad's house in Colorado. I'm going back with books. And I told him the story. And so a couple months later, his dad said, I can't fit any more books in my garage. And wow. John was busy opening up China distribution. Bill Gates was there and he's like, holy moly, what do I do? <laughs> I get back here and, and, and then work with my dad to figure out how we're going to get these books back to Nepal. So they dad started sorting them out, the good from the bad, you know, and, yeah. and they they shipped them all over there. And his they're bad books. <clears throat> I didn't know there were bad books. Telephone books are bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those ones that aren't age appropriate, because gotcha. it's really important to get the education to a kid who's like in first and second grade. Because right. if they don't learn how to read, then they actually don't start reading. So it's mm. really important to get in those fundamentally in the beginning years. Mm-hmm. And so Room to Read was really focused on that. But we found that um, after, you know, taking up about 10 donkeys full of 5,000 books and having this huge celebration up in the top of the Himalayas and all these remote areas, it reached into all of the districts that this guy was responsible for, the whole, all the schools in his district, which was fabulous. And uh, so, you know, my, being from Microsoft, you're all about research. Right. And you say, okay, are we doing this effectively? So he researched the kids. Do you like what we're doing? The parents, do wow. you like what we're doing? Don't like what we're doing? The district. And also he started to partner with the government of Nepal mm. to, to enhance the public school system to work in public schools rather than opening up a bunch of private schools. Mm-hmm. And with that, um, he got the feedback that the kids really wanted local language books. Mm-hmm. And that's what started the local language book publishing for Room to Read. And we now have over 1,100 different titles in 10 different countries, tons of awards for them. And they're written by locals and illustrated by locals and printed locally. So it helps the economy. Oh, fantastic jobs and everything. Exactly. It inspires people to write the books and to share the books. And at this point, we've distributed 15 million books in those wow. 10 countries. Wow. And so congratulations. As, That's amazing. Thank you. They do such an excellent job. Room to Read is in the top 1% of effectively running nonprofits in the world now with nine consecutive years of four stars at Charity Navigators with being recognized by most of the big organizations. And, you know, for us, since we're girls on this talk show right here, um, you know, it's really important that sometimes we don't get the same respect as guys. And in these third worlds, the girls get pulled out and secondary education it's important for their brothers to have an education right. mm-hmm. and the girls go work the fields take mm-hmm. care of their kids get sold off to some other yeah. family to do right. labor right. get married off and have babies at you know right. very young ages and and that can cause a lot of death and and and, and, and horrible things right um yeah I, I feel very strongly that access to um to careers to education to capitalism is what allows women to develop equality and so, it, you know, if they need to start off with being able to to read, mm-hmm. if they're illiterate, they're never going to be able to. Well, they, I mean, it's possible, but they're going to have a hard time really developing um, commercial opportunities for themselves. Exactly. And, and in um, undeveloped countries, I would imagine that that would be a way to also help, you know, increase the rise of, of a middle class, you know, with women, you know, because right. that way they become 
entrepreneurs and yeah. start businesses on their own. You know, you keep them oppressed, unable to read. You know, they're going to do nothing but ba- make babies. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Right. It's right. interesting because they actually found that, you know, an, an educated woman has educated children and the children are healthier mm-hmm. because they can take care of more of the things that are involved with having a healthy child. They have a child actually later in life. So the child is healthier and they are healthier. So there's all these ramifications that come out of having an educated girl that doesn't totally come out of having an educated boy. Mm -hmm. Our goal is to educate boys alongside of girls and to teach gender equality. And so it was very interesting in Cambodia with one of the books um, an author had written there locally. It had a girl driving a tractor and the teacher said, I'm not I'm not reading this book. Girls don't drive tractors. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And so with that, you so did a, a girl go and hop on a tractor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you take a step back and you say, what's wrong with that equation? That they're mm-hmm. actually getting taught by a teacher. Right. Yeah. And, he just girls in Iowa. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so since, again, we work with the government of each of these countries to enhance their public school system, we can address that at a government level. Right. So we went back and actually did a teacher training program about gender equality. So that reaches into every school, not just the schools with mm-hmm. room to read libraries and books, but every single school in the country. Mm -hmm. Now they're learning about gender equality. And with the boys learning it from first grade when they're getting these books and the teachers being trained properly, you really can change things in a generation, which is really powerful in these remote areas in these countries where people are mistreated and they don't have clean water and illnesses are are, are running rampant. Mm -hmm. It's it's really great to hear about a a charity that is actually being successful in getting the money that the donors are giving out to the programs and, and being managed well. Uh, So tell us a little bit about this fundraiser, because obviously that's, you know, how you get the donors. And I think Americans are so generous and you've got a really cool event planned. Yeah, we do. Thank you very much for giving us an opportunity to talk about it. To be honest with you, Room to Read is a $52 million nonprofit. That's $52 million in 15 years. So it is run by some of the best people out there. And they're really about scaling and effectively building the business. And so, um, There's 52 chapters around the world, like myself, that adds up to about 10,000 volunteers for Room to Read, which is, again, an example of of running a nonprofit in a very different business format that empowers it with the volunteers making about a third of the money. Last week in London, the volunteer chapter raised $4 million at their fundraiser. Wow. Mm. So wow. we've got big, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know political candidates who can't make that much money. Uh, yeah, fundraiser. exactly. Most of them. Uh, so <laughs> when, when's your fundraiser? So our event is a Saturday night, mm-hmm. October 17th, and it's going to be a really fun event. We're hosting it in Del Mar at a private home of Cindy and Steve Blumkin. And they are, Cindy owns an art store in Encinitas called Art and Soul on 101. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Steve is part owners with the Pacific Coast Grill right there on the ocean. Mm-hmm. And um, both the Pacific Coast Grill and the Belly Up have partnered where the old beach house used to be to create a new environment there. And so the Belly Up is kind of involved, gave us tickets for our auction, and a lot of different things are coming together. So we have a live band, a fashion show, live artists creating art on site, um, and just a wealth of really cool things going down. Um, we've got a wonderful chef cooking live right there on the site. And so we're going to have gourmet food, appetizers, an open bar, live music, dancing, live art. That's going to be a lot of fun. It's a great date night. It's only $75 for somebody to come to the event. 
And if you think about going out for cocktails with somebody, it's pretty easy if right. you're out drinking and dancing and having a blast for five hours to spend 75 bucks. Right. So it's not and that's more. just at a Mexican restaurant here. <laughs> with the size of the margaritas I drink. Anyway. Exactly. Awesome. Great event. So we encourage all your listeners to, uh, you know, take an opportunity to come out on Saturday mm-hmm. night. Enjoy the, the atmosphere that's going to be there. It's inspiring. It's educational. You'll learn a lot more about Room to Read. And you know, is there a website where they can get more information? Yeah, if you could go to www.roomtoread.org/sandiego, mm-hmm. you'll have all the details about Room to Read and our event. Do you still take book donations at all, or is it strictly just a, a cash, a, a money raising uh, situation? At this you know, point? It, it costs a lot to to move the books from here to there, and we have some really obviously the size we're at, strategic partners, almost a. I'd say a fourth of the um, $52 million are actually in-kind donations, and that's kind of an interesting creative area also. But Scholastic Book Publishing and all the major Mm -hmm. children's books actually donate such a high volume in the quantity you need to stock a library. So you don't want people rolling up in Del Mar with their pickup truck, loaded down with their little house in the prairie yeah, you know, no books, books right? Thank okay. you. Yeah, we, just making you know, sure. These are these are really we're rolling out really strong books with a Dewey Decimal system. They're color coded, so like in your classrooms here, not all ch- children in the first grade read at the same level. So mm-hmm. some read the green level, some read the red level, and that type of thing. So our libraries have that for the kids over in these different countries too. Gotcha. That's great. I have to say, I'm, I really have noticed that there's a great local support for your at your um, fundraiser. Yeah. And that tells me a lot about the uh, the organization as well. Mm-hmm. This local yeah. businesses really want to be involved. Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting. The San Diego chapter of Room to Read is just a bunch of volunteers getting together and having a good time raising funds for a great cause. And so we've been able to really attract some really interesting people. And, and they hear the story. There's actually a book, Leaving Microsoft to Change the World, that tells the whole story. And oh. then a second book, Creating Room to Read, that tells the next uh, five years of what's going on and how we're scaling. It's a great nonprofit business book. Um, but we come together. And so with that, um, I have a group of like-minded women of San Diego that came together. And Cindy Blumpkin of Art and Soul on 101 is a member of that. And that's when she offered her house to use for this Wonderful. event. And then the different uh, ladies in the group kind of said, oh, Oh, I'll do my fashion. I'll do this. So Alpenrock with their fashion and Norma Hill designs with their silk stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Studio IL is a menswear out of Hillcrest and his wife, you know, threw him into the pot. And his <laughs> 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 wives do. <laughs> yeah. And Earth Elements on 101 and the Belly yeah. Up and the Pacific Coast Grill. And it just kind of snowballed into this wonderful thing where all of these locals detour the store, Solence the restaurant. Everybody got on board and really pitched in to try to, to make this it. a really fun, cool event with just a lot of different surprises that we're going to be. Uh, it sounds like a great with. event. Uh, thank yeah. you very much for coming on the show and sharing it with us. And that is on um, October 17th at roomtoread.org slash San Diego. Exactly. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, if you're in San Diego and you're in town... On that Saturday, I'm going to be at that event up in Del Mar because that's going to be a whole lot of fun. And I'm going to be taking some of my girlfriends there. So if you're in San Diego and you're listening, come see me up there because that's going to be a lot of fun. I, You know, there's been so much scandal involving so many nonprofits, particularly since 9-11, that I love hearing of nonprofits that are doing great work. This is one that I can really get behind. So I was excited to learn about this. I love reading Reading it has been a huge part of my life, and it's made me who I am. In fact, one of the first books I, I I read that really changed my life was when I read the Communist Manifesto at 17. 
really opened my eyes to a lot. That sing, that one book probably did more to shape who I am than probably any other book that I've read outside the Bible. And I'm not saying that lightly. In fact, I still have my original copy on my bedside. And page 92 of my copy of the Communist Manifesto reads like the Talking Points memo every time Obama gets, or anybody on the left, gets to the microphone. And that's really what Bernie Sanders is all about. How's that for a transition from a a book... (laughs) Nonprofit back to politics. You know, we were talking on Facebook and I said that, you know, one of the, you know, Timothy Shea called in earlier and he had an idea for an amendment for Congress in terms of holding people accountable. And then I mentioned on Facebook that one of the issues that I have with Congress is that they get lifetime pensions after like one term of office. That So that's a huge career. Politicians are a huge part of the problem that we've got There is a movement that Ben Carson is behind for term limits. One of the things that's attractive to them, Timothy Shea says that they actually changed that. It's not one term now. Whether it's one term or a couple, they're getting lifetime pensions. That's one of the reasons why they become career politicians. And then once they get get on the dole, because basically at that point, they're on the dole. Taxpayers. The taxpayers dole. They might as well be on welfare. It is a form of welfare. And they're not subject to, you know, uh, you know, even the same laws that we are. We got to change that. Our founders, our original uh, Congress people, they didn't live full time in D.C. They were not career politicians. They they would come back and spend most of their time in their district. They were farmers and business owners, and that's kind of what we need to get back to. So I actually would really like to see term limits. And speaking of limits, I've only got a few minutes left on the show. I got to say tonight that this was a big weekend for me. What's one of my biggest things in life besides reading? It's the NFL and football, baby. You know that. This was a huge weekend for me. How's that for a little DJ carrot sticks over there mixing it up? A little Chargers music, a little New Orleans Saints music. You know what? We're back, baby. We're back here in San Diego. We're two and two in San Diego. And in New Orleans, we're one and three, baby. And you know what? I am loud and I am proud about being one and three in New Orleans because you know what? We were 0 and three going into that game last night, and we almost came out 0 and four against a Romoless Dallas. But you know what? I am happy because you know it, I've been through worse, okay? I, 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 I've, I've been through the bag days, okay, back when we. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just tickled to be one and three. And ultimately, it's just, I just love my team. I don't really care what they do. My Saints actually had a phenomenal year a few years ago. Beat Brett Favre in the dome to win the NFC Championship. Went on to win the Super Bowl. That will never be duplicated. But I really want to see my man, Philip Rivers, once before he retires, make it to the Super Bowl. I'm not sure if starting out two and two with the injuries we've got. I don't think we've got a chance for that, Todd, just because of the injuries going on. We've got no offensive line. You know, so many offensive linemen were hurt that they were about to bring in a, a tight end and have him start <laughs> as, a, a, as an offensive lineman. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's bad. That's going deep into your into your lineup with injuries. And then we also had, did we have Keenan Allen or was it Malcolm Floyd? Who, Malcolm who went Floyd's going to be out next game. So it, last game, it was like all of our offensive line. This game was all of our wide receivers that got right. injured. But Antonio Gates. Antonio Gates. My man back. Gates is going to be back. And this is probably his last season. So I got to yeah. enjoy 
my man Gates, who has the best smile in the business. I mean, there's no other player that's got a smile like Antonio Gates. In fact, you know what? That should be my mission to get him on the show, Todd, uh, this season. That'd in be fact, awesome. Yeah, I think I'm going to do that. Now, we had a game tonight. What, what was the result of the game tonight? Can you... I was so busy at the station, I didn't even have a chance to look at the score. Dang it. Well, do, I don't even know who played tonight. Do we even know who played? I'm losing man cred on this one. I don't Well, know. while you look that up, let me brag about some little college ball that was going on, okay? Because my team, LSU, did it right in Death Valley against a not-so-shabby team. Don't be laughing because they beat East Michigan. East, they, they actually showed up to win that game, okay? And so... I'm proud of LSU, 44 to 22. What happened tonight in the Monday night game? It was the uh, Detroit Lions against the Seattle Seahawks, and it was a low-scoring game, 10 to 13. The Seahawks beat them by a field goal. Oh, okay. Well, maybe the Seahawks. I'm sad that my man Jimmy Graham is playing for the Seahawks. That just burns me to my core. Mickey Loomis, you deserve to lose your job down there in New Orleans. But, hey, my job is to be here every Monday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Right here on AM 1170. The answer your job, I hope, is to be here every Monday night. Listen to me. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K. Show. Friend me on Facebook. Listen to the podcast. It's going to be up on the AM 1170 site if you missed the first part of the show. Thank you all so much for listening and being a part of my world. Love you all. Have a great week, everybody. Good night. The Andrea K. Show on AM 1170. The Answer is sponsored by Andrea K. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.